0: Welcome to the Agora Network Ministries podcast, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our host, Evan Roars Dodge, shares practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and the stigma inside the walls of the church. Our hope is that through informative interviews with leading mental health professionals and people in the field, and through the stories of healing and transformation, you will find that hope and healing can be found in body, soul, and spirit. To learn more, go to agoranetworkministries.com and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us.
1: Welcome to this episode of Hope for the Agora. My name is Evan Dodge, I am your host, here with another conversation on mental wellness and the church. Today, I'm blessed to be joined by a friend of mine, Matt Reynolds. Matt, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Evan. It's great to be with you. Matt is the pastor of Stillwater Church in Ohio and the founder and president of Spirit and Truth. Um, Matt, tell us about you, what you do, about these ministries you're involved in. And Matt, I know that you love Christmas. I do, and so maybe uh, maybe you and can. And you ship. don't, right? I, I am not a huge Christmas fan. Um, I hope I don't get any hate mail from our listeners for, for yeah. saying that. Um, you might from but, me. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: maybe you could tell uh, our listeners, you know, a bit about what you like to do for fun and your favorite thing about Christmas.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, I do love Christmas. And um, I'm terribly offended that you don't. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I don't know why I love Christmas so much. I um, It's just a joyful time of year. I love Christmas movies, especially. And uh, so my family and I, yeah, we kind of sprinkling Christmas movies throughout the year, which is a little bit odd. I understand, but we're totally cool with it. And it's fun. (laughs) Um, Besides that, I am probably my favorite thing to do for fun is uh, bass fishing. Actually. I just, I, if I could be a professional bass fisherman, (laughs) I think anything outside of ministry, that would be it. So. (laughs) Cool. I'm not sure I'm that good, but uh, (laughs) it would be awfully fun. So.
1: So Matt, tell us about um, uh, the church that you pastor, about Spirit and Truth, um, and the ministry that you do in Ohio.
2: Sure, yeah, I um, I, I started Spirit and Truth uh, several years ago. I was I've been in, in ministry now for uh, something like sixteen years, I believe, and um, I've done a you know a number of different ministry roles. Started out as a young guy in youth ministry and. And then for a number of years, I pastored, uh, you know, growing church up in Northwest Ohio. Mm-hmm. And uh, after pastoring for a while, God did some crazy things in my life, good things, and uh, called me to step away and do something different that I certainly wasn't expecting. And out of that journey, I served with the Missionary Organization for a while, and and God called me to start this ministry called Spirit and Truth, and. Uh, it's a renewal and equipping kind of ministry, and we work with churches around the country to really help the leaders, as well as the congregation, become more empowered by the Spirit, rooted in the truth, and mobilized for the mission, and we do a number of different things within those, within that kind of framework. Uh, we work especially in um, the Wesleyan kind of family of churches, a lot of my own background in the Methodist Church and um that whole kind of holiness tradition that came out of the Wesleyan revival. Um, so we do a lot of work in churches in that family. And, uh, and then just recently, I, um, I started pastoring again. And so um, I worked full time on that for the last several years as we got things up and running and really built the ministry from the ground up. And um, God opened a door recently for, for us to expand our team so that I could uh, uh, pastor in the local church again. And so, um, yeah, it's been a joy to see what God has done through Spirit and Truth, and now also getting to live that out more fully in a specific context in the local church, really embed that DNA even m- more deeply in, in one place. has been really fun. Matt, I know that one of the core emphases
1: maybe two of the core emphases of spirit and truth is discipleship and church renewal. Yeah. Um, So can you define those uh, for me and tell me why uh, you know, what has God laid on your heart around discipleship and church renewal that has made it such a core emphasis of this ministry?
2: Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, discipleship's at the heart of the Christian life. Um, It's at the heart of the great commission And I'm not sure what the church is supposed to be about if it's not discipleship, uh, you know, making disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we, you know, as we emphasize discipleship in local churches and try to help churches get really intentional about the way they go about discipleship, um, you know, our, our goal is really just to help churches be the church that Jesus intends us to be. That's, I mean, that's probably the bottom line. And, um, and we just don't feel like we can be the church that Jesus intends us to be, unless we are intentional about making disciples in the way that Jesus has modeled and showed us to do that. And so, um, so that's kind of why we get really serious about that. We recently uh, started a new partnership with the Navigators, which have been is a ministry in the U.S. You know that's been really serious about discipleship for a long time. And um, God brought us together with the church discipleship ministry uh, branch of the Navigators. And uh, w- one exciting thing we're doing right now, we have a group of a dozen pastors that uh, applied. Um, we were surprised how many people were interested in getting serious about discipleship in their life and in their congregation. We had to, we have a big waiting list, actually. And they uh, applied and committed to a one-year cohort. This group is journeying together. They get personal coaching and then we uh, meet every month as a group to really dive into how they are actually making disciples themselves, these pastors, and then how they're shaping the culture of their churches to make disciples. And um, yeah, we've just gotten started in the last couple of months, but I can already see just fruit in people's lives. Um, think of a pastor I'm working with down in uh, Mississippi who's getting ready to start uh, discipling two high school guys and... um, just taking them through the scriptures and actually has kind of invited them into an internship in, in the ministry and just getting really serious about reproducing the life of Christ. That's, that's growing on the inside of him into the life of two high school guys. And I think in ways that has opportunity to have a profound and life altering impact. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm gonna, I guess I get excited about these things. So I just kind of go, uh, you know, just sharing some of the cool things we're seeing. But um, I think if, as leaders get serious about making disciples, um, it changes, fundamentally changes the culture of our churches. So,
1: yeah. And is that, Matt, where church renewal comes in? I mean, does, does discipleship lead into church renewal or are they related in a different sort of way?
2: Yeah. I would say it's related. Um, I think church renewal, I think of church renewal probably in a little bit broader context than exclusively discipleship, but I'm not sure that you can have true church renewal without discipleship being a core part of it, you know? Um, so we think about church renewal in a three-part framework. And I shared when I shared our vision a moment ago, um, And it really, for us, and I mentioned how we kind of come out of the Wesleyan tradition, our our three-part vision for church renewal comes out of um, sort of what we feel is like a holistic vision of church renewal that we get from the Methodist founder, John Wesley. Mm -hmm. There's a famous quote uh, by Wesley, and I'm not gonna be able to give it to you verbatim, but it's been uh, kind of had a resurgence in popularity recently as people are thinking about sort of the Wesleyan family of churches, and particularly the Methodist church. And it was towards the end of John Wesley's life when he, he talked about the Methodist movement, and he said, I'm not afraid that the Methodist church should ever cease to exist in America or in Europe. Rather, I'm afraid they, they, they could exist only as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. And he says, this will undoubtedly be the case unless they hold fast to both the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which we first set out. So I talked to a lot of Wesleyan scholars. What is he getting at with those three words? Because that's sort of the linchpin, the the, hinging, the hinge point that he's talking about. Unless you do this, you're going to become a dead sect. Well, I want to know, I see symptoms of a dead sect, to be real frank. yeah. That's uh, right. And so I want to know, I, you know, I tried to learn, what is it what what does he mean by these three things if he thinks this is sort of the antidote to becoming a dead sect because those are probably going to also be the medicine mm-hmm. to help us undo some of that deadness and you know and that's what i think about when i'm thinking about church renewal is sort of like uh, helping to um, see the church become fully alive again yeah. and so uh, those three things doctrine spirit and discipline and for the, just for the record, because I know you're going to have a lot of listeners who are not Methodists or Wesleyan. These are not actually Methodist things. These are just Christian things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just I'm drawing on the history of, of my own tradition to kind of give us a framework. But you know, when we talk about doctrine, what is, this is really just most simply, what do we believe and what do we teach? What do we believe and teach? Spirit, we're talking about, I believe, the Holy Spirit is the spirit by which we live. Uh, how are we cooperating with God's active presence in the world, both in our individual lives and uh, collectively as the church. And then discipline, what is the actual nuts and bolts? How do we structure our life and ministry in the way of Jesus? Mm -hmm. So what do we believe and teach? What is the spirit by which we live? And what is the actual stuff we do? And for me, I think church renewal must include all three of those components i've actually um i'm really committed to this because i've seen and i've been part of actually church renewal movements that maybe major on one or two of those things mm-hmm. and miss out because they 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 leave out a third of that sort of tripod like you can for example you can be really serious for example about uh, the active presence of God in in the Holy Spirit. Be really serious about pursuing more of God's Spirit. Um, but if if you're not grounded in solid doctrine, you can get in off into some wacky stuff because you have got no guardrails. You not no you have no roots to keep you centered into the historic faith. You know, mm-hmm. so. You, you know, and sometimes you can be serious about the spirit and even the stuff you do, but be missing sort of uh, the doctrine piece that keeps you sort of united historically with 2000 years of Christian teaching. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can be sort of really serious about solid doctrine and even serious about discipline and the stuff you do, but still find you're dead because you're not actually um, living in the life of the spirit that God intended that the spirit that breathed life into the church in the very beginning at Pentecost, you know? So anyways, I I could go on and on about this kind of like, obviously one of my passions, (laughs) but uh, all three of these things I think are essential for a church to really sort of live into the fullness of how God designed the church to operate. And so as we focus on church renewal, we're trying to do everything we can to help churches uh, really get serious about these three basic things in in their life together. Yeah,
1: Matt. In conversations you and I've had in the past year or so, we've both um, we we both feel that this is a this is a watershed moment in the church. Mm. Um, that certain cultural forces around us, the nature of the global pandemic. Um, yeah. All, all of this is exposing fault lines in the church. Yeah. Um. Also showing us where our where our strengths are, um, maybe areas that the church needs to renew itself through God's yeah. power and strength. Um. And I think this goes for churches in Canada and the U.S. I mean the, the the situations we face are not dissimilar really at all. Yeah. So Matt. What what do you see? Um, you know, if you were to kind of put on your your <laughs> pick up your Holy Spirit binoculars and kind of look out toward the horizon, um, what do you think this next season of church life, um, you know, among churches that are that are that want to be intentional and serious about discipleship, that want church renewal? Yeah, what's this next season going to look like for us?
2: That's a good question. Um, you know, certainly I, you know, none of us can say for sure. I qualify anything I say with that. You know, we don't, we don't um, know in full, you know, we don't know as God knows. Yeah. Uh, but as I look at sort of the landscape of Christianity, and I, I specifically in North America, m- my sense is that uh, it's going to get increasingly more difficult to be a true christian Mm. and because increasingly like holding on to the historic faith is going to result in um you being out of sync with the culture around you and as we've moved into sort of what i see as sort of a post-christian culture um you know being a christian isn't actually a status improving you know piece of your life any anymore it's something that sort of works against you culturally and now i think we haven't in like in the us for example i don't think you know we we have a lot of folks who use the word persecution pretty loosely and i have a lot of friends we do a lot of ministry globally and mm-hmm. what i i don't think we know what real persecution is um but I do think that that might be coming. I, I do think that might be coming down down the pike. And what I see God doing, and part of what I see Him doing to sort of redeem this time, is I, in some ways, I feel like, uh, sort of, I don't know, this is kind of cheesy to thing to say, but sort of God saying, like, "Well, will the real church please stand up?" You know, like, <laughs> uh, like we, there's a sifting that's happening, and this we we have based at, for. For decades now, we've, we've based sort of the main life of the church around, at least in large part, around a sort of consumeristic, oftentimes attractional kind of model of church where Mm -hmm. we just, we, we have a very polite, nice exchange of religious goods and services on the weekend. You know, we'll, we'll try to give you all the stuff that you want that makes you feel better, that like takes care of you know we talk about felt needs for a long time uh, for you and for your family in exchange you'll come to church and give some of your money sometimes and and in the process I i really think this sort of consumer driven style of church has um sometimes without even realizing it we have fundamentally undercut the very essence of the great commission like we've short-circuited in our attempt to sort of w- what we've called outreach, you know, and sort of uh seekers, sensitive worship and these things that have been an attempt to reach new people. And we're fundamentally sort of sabotaging discipleship in the process because discipleship is antithetical to consumer uh, driven practices. Yeah. Like a disciple yeah. is not a consumer, um, a disciple, someone who picks up their cross daily, you know, to follow Jesus. And so I actually think in some ways, even though I think it's going to get harder to be a Christian, I actually think in some ways it's a good thing. And I think God's redeeming that. And in the end, uh, the church coming out of the pandemic is probably going to be smaller. Um, It's a lot of the sort of fluff has sort of been just immediately trimmed off because you know everything shut down kind of came to the screeching halt but i'm not sure that's really a bad thing i think a lot of people are sort of moaning about the fact that not as many people are coming back to church and all of this stuff but um if we could have fewer crowds of people showing up at churches but more actual christians who are living the kind of lives where they're willing to literally give their life for the sake of the gospel. Uh, I think the church is better off.
1: When you were talking about the work of discipleship and how that seems to run so counter to a consumerist mentality, I I think of probably my favorite person, uh, in regards to discipleship and that's eugene peterson yeah um, yeah. and his his book um along obedience in the same direction which is his you know his image for the life of discipleship but you think of just that um that that short sentence right everything in that runs counter Right. To so much of our right. culture. Along, obe- we, we're, we're a culture of short attention spans. We want things right away. That's right. Along obedience. I mean, who wants to be obedient to something? That means you have to submit your own will. Right. To That's something. Right. Along obedience in the same direction. I mean, how many people, in whatever it is, whether it's a vocation, yeah. whether it's, uh, you know, uh, living in a particular community, whether it's a re- marriage, how many people are in something, for the long haul, right? Like right. the same, the same direction. That means you're on the same trajectory. You're following um, that path, and so yeah. I mean, discipleship at its root is it's counter everything. It seems yeah. that's that's a prominent value in this present cultural moment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't actually think God is like really cares about the quote unquote success of the church in America uh the church the global church is going to be just fine i'm confident of that like we're not the ones who build the church anyways it's jesus church Mm -hmm. and we know the end of the story like the church is going to be just fine uh it cannot fail it cannot fail we're promised that in scripture so the church has prevailed for two thousand years and globally like Christianity is exploding in places around the globe. Yeah. So um, I'm not actually that concerned on whether or not the American church sort of, I'm not interested in sort of re- regaining our glory days or something like that, where we can be this sort of dominant force in the culture where we have this sense that, you know, churches are real successful and have lots of people. What I'm interested in is that we would actually be the church that has real disciples in it, you know, and um, Jesus will grow His church. I mean, he's he's in the business of drawing all men to Himself. Right. Um, yeah. We don't have to. We don't have to obsess over that. But we, ha- I am, I am not satisfied with sort of a um, the facade of success in a church, which is, I think, what we've settled for a lot, you know, where we have a lot of things that in the end sort of make us feel good about how where the church is at but very few actual disciples on the inside.
1: Yeah. We're going to take a brief uh, break in our episode and I'll be right back with my guest Matt Reynolds.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. Agora Network Ministries is committed to helping churches work through the stigma of mental health and give support to their congregations. Throughout the year, we host a number of events. One of them that we're really excited about is the Agora Academy, the first of its kind that begins September 13th. The Agora Academy runs for eight weeks and is led by registered psychotherapist Laura Bruno. You'll learn about the different diagnoses, treatment options, and practical skills you can do to foster positive mental well being. There are limited seats available, so reserve your spot today go to com and register there. Also, take the time to look through our other events as we will be having a number of webinars, speaking engagements, and uh, special times, uh, including Moving Towards Mental Wellness Seminars. We'll be hosting a number of those this coming fall, so you don't want to miss those either. Be sure to go over to the website and check it out. And now back to the Hope for the Agora podcast. Matt,
1: um, this ministry and this podcast, Hope for the Agora, really centers on mental wellness, mm-hmm. um, total wellness, really. Um, you know, we're, we're triune beings, body, soul, and spirit, um, but with a particular emphasis on mental wellness, mental health, and the church's role in that conversation, in destigmatizing mm-hmm. issues around mental wellness and in encouraging and resourcing the church. Um, to to provide for people's mental well-being. So Matt, we've really laid a good foundation here talking about discipleship and church renewal and the nature of the church. So can we just shift for a few few moments we have left into applying some of these things we've talked about to that conversation around mental wellness? Um, So maybe share what how do you see discipleship informing uh, mental wellness maybe within an individual's life in their own relationship with God uh, or within within the church maybe that um, that wants to be intentional about discipleship and also wants to care for people kind of on that level what's the relationship between the two what's what are some best practices
2: yeah Well, certainly, I mean, if we're talking about discipleship in the way of Jesus, it has to be whole life discipleship. I mean, um, Jesus wants to um, be Lord over every component of our body and mind and emotions and soul. I mean, so... I think we get ourselves into trouble when we think about discipleship in really fragmented ways. And in fact, when we talk about discipleship, a lot of times in the church where we actually uh, use the word almost synonymously with Christian education. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not the same thing as that, you know, discipleship is not primarily about the transmission of information. It's about whole life Mm -hmm. transformation And so uh, we can't be, um, you know, the the people that that Jesus intends us to be, the the people that God created us to be in the very beginning uh, without coming into sort of a place of healing and wholeness in every component of our life. And when any one piece of our life is out of whack, when we're we're not, you know, pursuing health, in our spiritual life, our mental life, our physical life, it affects all the others, you know? And Mm, so, um, so I don't know any kind of discipleship that could really leave mental health out of the picture. Not, not at least in the way I understand discipleship, you know, and in terms of church renewal, you know, not only is uh, I, you know, I'm not a mental health expert for one thing. So I, Mm. you know, I don't want to, uh, step outside my lane, but I I would say um, just from my own sort of personal experiences, as well as what I survey when I when I look at some of the ways that God has moved across history, and I like to really look at sort of it, some of the revival history and some of the ways that God has moved in dramatic ways, bringing a renewal to the church in times where there was a lot of deadness, kind of like we were talking about earlier. And one of the things that i you know, It seems to me could be a sincere issue in that is that there appears to be times when I think um, really anointed leaders who were bringing important renewal to the church were sabotaged because they didn't care for their own either uh, mental or physical health or, or they had aspects of their life that weren't coming under the Lordship of Jesus. And by not attending to those things, sort of short-circuited, um, all that could have come through their ministry, had they been attentive to their whole person, and not just um, focused on, you know, the powerful things that God was doing in other people. You know, does that make sense? You understand what I'm? Yeah, it absolutely to say?
1: does. Yeah. Um, so what I, what I think I hear you saying, Matt, is that there's a connection between um you know just again getting back to the fact that we're triune beings right yeah. so m- mental wellness can affect our physical health yeah. and our 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 physical health can affect our spiritual selves i mean we're all we work in tandem um but but that there's a real connection i think between um one's christian walk right um and you yeah. use i really appreciate what you said talked about the lordship of christ right um you know am i my improper relationship with him am I submitting myself to his demands on my life um, that there is that there's a connection there between uh, claiming Jesus right not just as Savior but also as Lord yeah um, and one's um, you know one's one's total wellness one's one's mental wellness not to say that you know certain things like um, this is where I think, the, the church has to always be careful that we're not giving trite answers that come out of bad theology right yeah, something right. like well if you have depression that means you're not praying enough or that you're not reading your bible yeah, enough right yeah, that's certainly yeah. not what we're saying and yeah. um i know that that's not that's not what you or i believe um but that you know we're, we're told to love god and to love our neighbor as ourselves for a reason Right. I mean, there's, there's a way that God has designed us to be in relationship with him, with each other and with ourselves that is best for us.
2: Right. That's right. Yeah. And I, I often, you know, I tell my congregation, like if you, um, I use a, just kind of an analogy, like if you, if you have any kind of a consumer product, some kind of gadget uh, you you assume that the person who the engineer who designed that or the manufacturer who made that gadget probably knows better than you do how it's going to function best. You know, like, Mm -hmm. like if I have a, like a, whatever a computer and I can't figure out why something's malfunctioning. When I look at the instruction manual, because that was created by the person who made the thing, Mm -hmm. it can better diagnose, you know, what is, what is, what's off here. Like this isn't working like it's supposed to work. And yeah, in our own lives, you know, I feel like so often we, uh, we want to be sort of our own physician uh, in diagnosing the spiritual state of our lives. We want to be the ones who give ourselves like, you know, I'll decide what's best for me. When in reality, if we believe, in a sincere creator of the universe that we've been created in the image of an almighty God, uh, maybe we ought to trust that he actually knows how we were designed to flourish the best, you know? Mm. And so, uh, so I really believe in kind of like a holistic kind of discipleship and, um, that Jesus wants to touch every single aspect. There's like, he doesn't, there's no off limit parts of our lives, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and I do think, you know, just to, to echo what you said earlier, you know, I would, God uses uh, holistic treatment in our lives. Uh, there are plenty of mental health uh, conditions and issues that, that need medical treatment, you know, and God uses the gift of doctors and medicine and uh, therapists to help us address these uh, important areas of our life and but he also uses spiritual disciplines to mm-hmm. to bring renewal in our lives and um, and not only you know it's not just our own wellness that's at stake, but as at least you know in my work I'm working with a lot of church leaders and I know your ministry you know that agora is, is really focused on a lot of church leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if we're not attending to sort of like holistic discipleship in all of these areas of our lives being, pursuing health, not only do we, you know, short circuit ourselves, but we put ourselves in a place to wound other people. And
1: that's, that's really important.
2: Yeah. 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 And you see that in the, in renewal movements across history and even current ones. I mean, we, we see the way that sincerely gifted and anointed Christian leaders who have great potential to bring renewal in in either local churches or even larger context than that end up wounding other people because they're not attending sort of to the whole, the holistic sort of picture of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Matt, um, one last question, just to kind of
1: lead us out of, of this discussion. So let's say there's a church that uh, wants to implement a discipleship ministry maybe they're doing a program maybe they've hooked in with with you or with navigators maybe they're doing alpha course something like that yeah um but they're also feeling burdened um, and seeing the need in their church and community for really intentional work around mental wellness total wellness maybe you could share um and we've touched on that a little bit, but maybe just like just some real brief sort of concrete statements. Um, what are some best practices for churches who want to try to do both, and mm-hmm. and see the need for both in sort of this mutual related relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So give us give us a couple best practices.
2: Well. Uh... We think about discipleship, like discipleship at its core has to have three things. You can have all kinds of vehicles for how you go about discipleship, but every good discipleship process or system has at least three basic components. Uh, It's intentional. So you're doing it on something on purpose. It's relational. There is no real discipleship apart from life on life relationships and uh, it's reproducing. It doesn't, it's not just, um, it's not an end of itself, but it ends up reproducing in the life of others. There's a multiplying impact in that. And I think, um, again, I'm not a mental health expert, but I think if you're going to, you know, if you're going to get serious about, uh, that kind of ministry that's intentional, relational, and reproducing, then you're going to be like entering into people's lives and helping them to navigate how Jesus wants to bring healing in their life, uh, in their mental health, in very intentional ways. It's going to be in. It's going to be in the context of relationships. Like you can't um, attend to these kind of holistic, transformational kinds of practices without getting to know people. Mm-hmm. You gotta like actually you know, have that life on life contact. It's not, there's no class that's going to fix it. There's no, you know, single like program. You don't, you don't make uh, spiritually or mentally healthy people by just running through them them through an assembly line of classes or something like that. There's going to be, there has to be a relational component. And -hmm. then I think uh, there has to be a reproducing component where that, the investment in that person uh, becomes to its fullness when they realize the way they're being shaped isn't just for them, but it's then to invest and to pour into someone else. I mean, this is kind of at the heart even of like, um, I think about the, hist- the movements like AA, for example, uh, that have dealt with addiction. There's a, this, this reproducing component built into this recovery process that, that recognizes my healing, uh, is actually like not come to its fullness until I'm able to like pass that on and invest in the life of another. So I, yeah, I think yeah. that's, you know, it may not be an exact analogy, but I think it, it kind of holds that same principle.
1: I really appreciate your emphasis on relationship. Um, you know, those really kind of one-to-one or in a small group relationships that are built on trust, Right, uh, mutuality, respect, appropriate vulnerability—that's right. Um, I, I I've experienced those as being some of the most transformative and healing conduits. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, so 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 both can happen, right? I mean, you can grow as a disciple, and in, in all that—that that means that you've that you've shared so well with us, and at the same time, find that, um, you know, maybe because of the content because of the context, maybe both, um, that one's mental wellness is also affected.
2: Right. Well, I think this goes down, you know, I think this goes down deep. This goes all the way down to the the depths of who we are as human beings. Mm -hmm. Because if we believe fundamentally that we were created in the image of a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who has been in perfect, loving community, one God in three persons, perfect fellowship for all eternity, you know, sans creation, like all the way back, right? If if that's the essence of who God is, that's how we understand God, then if we've been created in that image, our need for community, both our community, our communion with God and with others, right, this makes sense out of the sort of the great commandment, love God and love others. It gets to the very essence of who we are. It's, yeah. at, it's at our nature. We are people created for community because we're created in the image of a communal triune God.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, Matt, I have appreciated this conversation and I'm looking forward to um you know, you and I and Alan Galant have talked a bit about kind of how, how we might connect our networks and share between Spirit and Truth and Agora, and um, so I'm looking forward to, you know, future conversations about that and oh, uh, if uh, uh, you know how that will look. Matt, if listeners want to connect with you or your or the Ministry of Spirit and Truth on social media, how can they how can they do that?
2: Sure. Yeah. If they, uh, if they want to just learn more about all the stuff that we offer, uh, they could go to our website, which is spiritandtruth.life. L-I-F-E, .life. spiritandtruth.life. They can find us on Facebook. um, Just search for spirit and truth Uh, on our Twitter. We're at spirit and spirit truth life Um, on Instagram, all the stuff. We have, all those, all those things. So yeah, uh, look us up, and we'd love to connect with you. And um, yeah, we're just we're doing our best. To, you know, we don't have all of the answers. We're just doing our best to be uh, one one sort of spark to try to just catalyze the church to to live into our basic sort of DNA in the way that Jesus intends us to live. So,
1: Amen. Well, thank you, Matt, for being our guest today on Hope for the Agora. I trust that you, our listeners, have been moved, inspired given some new ideas on how to deepen your discipleship uh, in the church and how to also be attuned to and take care of your, your mental wellness. So God bless you. And thank you, Matt, for being my guest today.
2: Yeah, thanks, Evan. This has been really fun. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you found it helpful and informative. We are always open to your comments and suggestions. You can contact us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. You can also go to our website for resources, information, and upcoming events. Just head over to agoranetworkministries.com. If you would like to support the work of Agora Network Ministries, including this podcast, you can find a link on our site. We appreciate your support. We pray that your week is blessed. Bye for now.